0: It's a great blessing to be able to open up God's Word as we seek to study it verse by verse and then obey it. Putting the principles from God's Word into action in our lives as He transforms us when we obey His Word. So today we are going to study and obey Philemon chapter 1 verses 17 through 25. We will finish up this book And again, this letter is written from Paul to Philemon. He had a house church in his home. It's written in regards to a runaway slave, Onesimus, who had run away to Rome, had become a believer there, served together with Paul, was quite close with Paul, and Paul uh, sends him back in order to ask forgiveness from Philemon in order to have them reconciled in their relationship. So Paul's request has been that Philemon should receive Onesimus and also restore Onesimus. And there seems to be an implication that he wants Philemon to set Onesimus free. So let's read verses 17 through 25. We'll see in this part, Paul ups the ante, so to speak. And he makes this... Request this appeal very, very personal. So, this is a very personal interchange between Paul and Philemon. Verse 17 says, So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Okay, so Paul, again, is making the appeal to Philemon to receive and restore Onesimus. And he's, he's shared different things in his appeal, and this part will be a very, very personal appeal. He says, if you consider me your partner, then you should receive him as you receive me. So Paul is pulling out all of the stops. In these verses, he is going to emphasize his own relationship with Philemon. Now, there are many reasons which Philemon should receive Onesimus back as a brother. If all of the other reasons failed to convince Philemon, this was Paul's trump card. Paul was in essence saying, if you won't do this for him, or if you won't even do it for rightness sake, do it for me. And rejecting him, rejecting Onesimus, is then made equal to rejecting Paul himself. Now, Paul lays out a very compelling argument, and he puts the charm on. Now, we do not see in scripture how Philemon responded, but it's hard to imagine that he would deny this request. We see in Proverbs 2, verse 6, it says, The Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And it seemed that Paul was using wisdom in his communication with Philemon to try to get him to get to the desired outcome. Paul uses every way he can to try to convince Philemon to do the right thing. He utilized logic. He utilizes his personal relationship with Philemon. I think the wisdom to do it in this way was from God. What is the application? Well, this is not about manipulation because manipulating is getting someone to do something probably that they shouldn't do. But this is about convincing. It's about using every tool in the toolbox to convince others to do what is right. And it's according to the wisdom of God. So convincing people to do what is right is a good thing. And this, if Philemon would listen to Paul, then it would help him in his relationship with the Lord. It would help Onesimus and it would help them in their relationship with each other. Now, Paul asks him to receive him as you would receive me. Paul is encouraged to treat Onesimus as he would treat Paul. Now, that's a very high standard, and it reminds us that forgiveness is more than just mumbling some words. It's okay. Forgiveness is reflected by action. You cannot claim to forgive someone if you still hold what they did against them. Now, there might be some rare cases where forgiveness does not include restoration. Uh, perhaps in cases of uh, spousal abuse, for example, or things like that, then forgiveness maybe doesn't guarantee uh, restoration between the parties. Or maybe uh, more information or more evidence might be appropriate to see how someone has grown and to establish back more credibility and trust. But if you tell your friend, I forgive you, but I don't ever want you to step foot in my home again, odds are you haven't forgiven them. If you tell your spouse, I forgive you for adultery, but I'm filing for divorce tomorrow, you're kidding yourself. This doesn't mean that forgiveness absolves the offending party of all consequences. In many situations, forgiveness may not guarantee restoration to the exact same relationship as before. Perhaps you have an employee in your company who steals money and they truly come to know the Lord and appear to be asking forgiveness and and want to change. But it would still be wise to be careful in entrusting more money to this person until he earns the trust back. You may forgive a spouse who's been abusive in the past But you would still want to take precautions to ensure you and your children's safety. So there are some complex scenarios where forgiveness may not result in an immediate and total reunification. But those are generally rare exceptions to the rule. For the most part, in our relationships, when we forgive someone, then our relationship is restored. We have good communication again. We're willing to see each other. We're willing to share a meal together. We're willing to answer each other's texts, to answer each other's emails, uh, to you know, answer the phone when they call. So forgiveness includes receiving. And you should evaluate your relationships to ask yourself if you have completely forgiven past transgressions to the point that you would receive that person into your home and treat them as you would Paul. Paul says, treat him as you would me. Jesus might say, treat those people as you would me because Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do also to me. Are we treating people more poorly than before? And if so, that is very, very likely not Forgiveness. So, evaluate your own heart and consider is there anyone who you haven't totally forgiven? You can even pause the video to consider, pray, ask God to bring it to mind, and then truly forgive that person. Paul says in verse 18 if he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Paul offered to pay any outstanding debt that Onesimus owed. This is very much like what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus took our sins and debt and charged them to his own account, sacrificing himself for us. So actually the story of Onesimus is much like our own. Onesimus was a slave. We are slaves of sin. Onesimus used his own methods to try to solve it, trying to run away, but he didn't actually change his position. He was still a criminal according to the Roman law. At that time, his position had not changed. We can try every way to get out of our sin, but we still cannot free ourselves, and our past will always come back to bite us. The Lord found Onesimus in his lost state, and his status was immediately elevated from slave to brother. When the Lord rescues us from our sins, we are elevated and have a new position in Christ. And as Onesimus's sins, his debts were charged to Paul Ours are charged to Christ. This is what Christ does for us. He takes all of our sin and he charges it to his own account. And he says, don't worry, I have more than enough in the bank to cover it. So we also learn two more lessons from this. One is that repentance involves restoration. Paul says, look, if he owes you anything, I will pay. In other words, paying back the debt is part of the reconciliation, the restoration process. So repentance involves restitution. If Onesimus had stolen money or caused a loss to Philemon, it needed to be repaid. Now if I come into your house and I steal your phone and then I say, I'm sorry, and I walk away and your phone is still in my pocket, that's not genuine repentance. True repentance demands that everything be possible, that everything possible be done in order to make restitution. And this is, concept goes all the way back to the old testament exodus 22:1 it says if a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep so he needs to make restitution he can't just say oh i'm sorry you know i took your sheep i killed it i ate it already you know or i sold it already it's gone but i'm sorry no, you need to give that person restitution and not just give him back one sheep because what's the deterrent in that, right? Like if you go and you steal sheep for a living and maybe you steal 20 sheep and you're caught three times so you pay back three sheep. Well, you could say, well, I still gained 17 sheep, right? But the restitution is a kind of disincentive to discourage people from stealing because when you're caught, you're going to pay back much more. So they had to make restitution. They had to pay back much more than what they took. So what does that mean for us today? It means that when we come to someone and ask forgiveness, we need to do everything in our power to make the situation right if we've wronged someone. If we can make restitution. That may not always be possible sometimes sins are too grievous to ever fix to ever heal but it's saying if you can do whatever you can in order to make restitution if you forget your wife's birthday then you're in trouble but assuming that she didn't tell you on that day which is quite unlikely then the next day and if you remember and if you say well i'm sorry dear uh, that's probably not going to cut it, right? You need to take your wife out and you'd better make sure it's an extra special dinner, an extra special date with perhaps an extra special gift because you made the mistake of not remembering to begin with. So you should be very familiar with the concept of restitution. It's, in other words, it's not enough just to say sorry. You need to put some real effort into healing this situation. If you haven't been spending enough time with your kids and you say, I'm sorry kids, I haven't spent enough time with you, then what? Then start spending time with them, right? Do your best to solve the problem and to make it right. Now, the other thing we see from this is not only restitution, but Paul is willing to sacrifice for Onesimus. He's willing to give up something himself for the sake of so he's sacrificing for others it's a good example now moving forward verse 19 Paul says look I write this with my own hand Paul often had other people transcribe his letters but writing with his own hand made it very personal and showed how important this request was to him he says don't worry I will repay it he says, don't worry, I'm good for it. I'll pay back whatever is required. Now, it seems unlikely to me that Philemon would actually ask Paul to do that, to write f- Paul in Rome in under house arrest and say, you owe me 12 bucks or you know 500, however much it was, seems somewhat unlikely, but Paul was nonetheless willing. Now, I find this next phrase very <laughs> interesting. Paul says, to say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Mm. Well, we can call a spade a spade. Paul lays it on pretty thick. He mentions that Philemon is heavily indebted to Paul. Now, it's unlikely that this is a reference to any financial debt. Paul was a poor missionary. More conceivably, this is a reference to some spiritual blessings Philemon had received due to Paul's influence on his life. Perhaps Philemon's salvation was a result of Paul's ministry. We don't know exactly the relationship we had before but Paul is like calling it in so to speak. He's saying to say nothing of but he's, he's reminding him of this that that look you owe me. So do this for me. right? He prefers that Philemon do it for the right motivation out of sincerity of his heart because he should forgive Onesimus. But just in case Paul makes this appeal very very personal and says basically you owe me and you should do this for me so paul is very very persuasive it's hard to imagine that philemon would deny this request made in this way so yeah paul is very very experienced at this point and we should remember again the thing he's asking them to do is not for his own sake it's for theirs and it is good for them. So he's not you know doing some trickery in order to get some personal benefit. In fact, he was losing Onesimus's company by sending him back. All right, verse 20, "Yes, brother, I want you I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ." Now, if we remember Paul's compliment to Philemon at the beginning of this chapter in verse 7, he says the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And then here, he asks, he says, Refresh my heart in Christ. So he's basically saying, Look, you have a spiritual gift to refresh people's hearts. When people go, come to your home, they leave feeling refreshed rejuvenated, filled with energy as they're uplifted in their spirits. Now what you've been doing for all of the other saints do for me in this situation. I will be so joyful, so thankful if I hear good news about your report to this letter. Now Paul says in verse 21, knowing of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul has confidence that Philemon would respond well to his letter. He expected that Philemon would go above and beyond and do even more than what was required. So this statement puts the ball in Philemon's court. Philemon was free and even encouraged to think about what more could he do. He says, look, I know you'll do more. So then Philemon's thinking, "Hmm, what more can I do? I can forgive him. I can perhaps free him from slavery and then what more can I do after that? Maybe I can help him get set up in a in a job of his own or in a place of his own. You know, there would be many other opportunities for Philemon to go above and beyond. So let's go above and beyond in our service to others. Think of someone who has wronged you. Have you forgiven them? If so, consider... What act of kindness could you do on their behalf to show them that all is well? Can you go above and beyond to serve that person? So we're going to go and come into the closing greetings. Verse 22, he asks him to prepare a guest room for him. Uh, Paul hoped to visit Philemon in person. Hospitality to visitors was ingrained into the culture it would be unthinkable to allow a visiting missionary like Paul to have to scrounge around the town for accommodations. So this simple statement also shows us the the intimate, the close nature of fellowship during the New Testament church. Believers were family, and they acted like it. The terms brother and sister were not empty titles. They were family, and when they moved and traveled around, they would stay in each other's houses. Do you treat believers around you like that today? Do you show hospitality to your spiritual family? There are many ways you can show hospitality to others, and most of them start with opening your home or sometimes your wallet. And then the closing, greetings. Paul mentions five different teammates in his closing. He mentions Epaphras. He mentions Mark, he mentions Aristarchus, he mentions Luke, and he mentions Demas. So Epaphras was a fellow prisoner with Paul. Likely he was being persecuted for the faith. Uh, Mark is someone who had deserted Paul previously but now was vital to him. Uh, And Barnabas would not give up on Mark and kept encouraging him and then Mark ended up being a very faithful companion many times on their journeys. Uh, Aristarchus is seen as Paul's companion in Ephesus when the population rioted there. Uh, We know Luke, the physician who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And then there is Demas. Uh, Demas was a member of Paul's ministry team who would abandon the group to pursue the world sometime soon after this letter was written. 2 Timothy 4.10 It says, For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So Demas was a member of the team, and then he abandoned them, he quit, and he went his own way. A sad reminder that even many people serving in the ministry end up falling away from the faith. They should encourage, encourage us and remind us to be alert and to evaluate our own spiritual condition, never becoming prideful, but humbly relying on the Lord and coming back to the cross day by day. Now, the closing benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Paul always closes his letter with a spiritual blessing and it's an appropriate benediction to mention the grace of the Lord as this grace connects to the theme of Philemon, which is extending grace to Onesimus. So this letter is a reminder that the principles from God's word are to be applied into our everyday life and into our relationships, whereas some of Paul's letters are very theological, very doctrinal. Uh, in in that he expounds on many things about the Christian faith. In this one, he's reminding people, specifically Philemon, how to live, how to put those principles into action. Grace and love and kindness and forgiveness are not just theological concepts to put up here. They're to be applied in your daily life. The scripture, the word of God, is not just things we learn and things we know, but we are to do it. As we do it, it affects our relationship with others. So think about your relationship. Is there someone that you have a strained or a distant or even a broken relationship with? Is it someone you need to forgive or is it someone you need to confess to? I hope that the lessons in this passage will encourage you to take initiative to find that person and to seek the reconciliation that Christ can bring when we humble ourselves and truly repent. I hope this passage has encouraged you, and I would invite you to join us next time when we continue to study and obey God's word one book at a time. God bless, and see you then. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.